0: The student ministry podcast you're about to hear is a sermon preached by Pastor Kurt Skelly at the 2010 West Coast Baptist Teen Camp. Brother Skelly is the pastor of the Harvest Baptist Church in Natrona Heights, Pennsylvania, and we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. The Bible says, Now therefore fear the Lord, And serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. Serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. I'd like for everybody to finish verse 15 with me. Ready? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just say that with me again tonight. Let's say it this time a little bit more like we mean it. Starting there, uh, just where we did before. Ready? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about The choice, not a choice, the choice. I was speaking with a young lady in the country of Germany one year ago, almost to the day. A little black girl, 12 years of age, who attended the youth conference at which I was speaking in Mannheim, Germany, one year ago. I learned in our conversation that she was not from Germany. She spoke English. She spoke German. And she also spoke her native tongue in Africa. I can't remember exactly what nation she was from. But she was in Germany with some foster parents because she was a refugee from her country in Africa that was going through some tremendous political unrest, She was speaking to me, I can still picture at the front of the auditorium. I said to her, Hey, tell me your story. This little girl, 12 years of age, looked me in the eye and began to tell me the most incredible story that I have ever heard. As she told the story, her face was still, but the tears began to flow down her cheeks like rivers. I don't think I've ever seen a person cry that many tears. She wasn't heaving. She was stoic, but the tears flowed. She said, Pastor Skelly, I was coming home from school one day, and the the bad group came, the rebels. They began to shoot at us. She said, I began to run. My friends ran with me before I knew it. Both of my friends that were coming home from school with me had been shot in the back and killed. I ran to my house to hide and I hid inside of my house and the rebels came to my house and I could hear them come in with their guns and with their machetes. It began to round up my family. Pastor Skelly, I was hiding and I was so afraid to go out and I could hear my mother screaming and pleading for her life. And those rebels took their machetes and hacked my family to death. The rescue workers came and found me. Pastor Skelly, that's why I live in Germany. And yet there she was at a youth conference, loving and serving Jesus. See, life is not what happens to you. Life is what you do with what happens to you. Life is a choice. Life is a series of choices. And if you take all the choices of life and put them together in one amalgamated mass, you'll find that life really comes down to the choice. The choice that Joshua made in Joshua chapter 24. I want you to see that choice. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, the Bible says, As for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. Simple. A few simple words. And yet in those few simple words, Joshua was distilling his entire life down to one statement. It was like the Apostle Paul who said in Philippians chapter 1, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He took his whole life and put it down into just a, a few words. I wonder tonight if, if I could say to you, take your whole life and put it in one sentence. Take the reason why you live and the reason why you're here and the reason why you're going to be what you're going to be and the reason why you live your life and put it all in one sentence. And what would that sentence be? Joshua would say emphatically and readily without any hesitation, he'd say, as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. The Apostle Paul, without hesitation, would say, hey, to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. What would the one sentence of your life be? What would be the one, if you could choose just one thing in life, what would it be? Joshua made the choice. I want you to consider tonight what The choice is. What was Joshua's choice? What should be my choice in life? What does it, what what matters? When it all comes to an end and we all stand before Jesus Christ one day, what will I have wanted to say? How should I have lived my life? It all comes down to this statement that Joshua made. Notice with me in the first place this evening that it was a personal choice, a personal choice, Brother Butterfield, I wish that I could choose for people, I wish I could make choices for my children, I wish I could make choices for my church members, I wish I could make choices for these precious teenagers that I've met this week at camp, I wish I could choose what you do with your life, Chase, Kelsey, I wish I could choose what you do with your life. I wish I could make every choice for you. I wish that you didn't have to make all your right choices. I wish that now that I have some wisdom and now that I've lived for a few years, I wish I could take a 15-year-old boy and say, listen, you're not allowed to make choices. I'm going to make every choice for you. But I can't do that. I can't choose how you live. And even though we have a Christian school and we can set some rules up, and even though we have a family and I can set some family rules up, at the end of the day, we all make our choices. You have to make a personal choice. Joshua was at the end of his life. He had gathered all the leaders together. Joshua had led the people into the promised land. Joshua was an old man. He was 40 years older than most of the men there that he was speaking to. And now he's about to die. He wants everyone to know that he stands where he's always stood. He stands with God. And he says, as for me, a personal choice. Notice that his personal choice was adamant. His personal choice was adamant. He knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly to whom he was speaking. He knew exactly what his declaration was. He was adamant, hey, as for me, this is what I believe. This is who I am. I'm not being a jerk about it. I'm not being obnoxious about it. But I want everyone to know adamantly, I stand with God personal choice like cassie bernal there are the famous columbine shootings and the 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 boy pointed the gun in her face and said yes i believe in god yes this is who i am yes i stand here where is that teenager where is the teenager that'll go back to her public school and say yes i stand for god yes i'm a follower of jesus christ where is the young man that'll go back sometimes even to a mediocre Christian school and will say, Yes, this is who I am. Yes, I'm adamant about it. Yes, I stand for Jesus Christ. Where is that kid? I've told you this story, but it's the best story I know to illustrate this truth. I was preaching in the state of Maryland about two years ago, eight miles from the White House. At a church called Independent Baptist Church in Clinton, Maryland, Pastor Mike Creed. In that room were a number of teenagers, probably this number of teenagers, maybe about 300, maybe 400 teenagers. I was preaching a a message that I, I preach quite often. It's entitled, There is Yet One Man. In that message, I make an appeal to teenagers and say, will you be the one? I'm not looking for 100 teenagers to make a decision. I'm not looking for 200 or 300 teenagers to make a decision. I'm looking for one. I'm looking for one teenager that says, I will stand for God. Hey, will you be the one? That's the message. At the end of that message, I, I have an illustration that I used, and I love the illustration. I think it really brings all the points home. And, and I had not yet given that illustration. I couldn't wait to get there because I just knew that when I gave that illustration, everybody would see the truth and everybody would respond. But before I gave that illustration, I was saying over and over again, who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the one? And as I reiterated that one question, there was a boy over here to my left. Eric, near in that auditorium where you're sitting. If that boy had been saved just a couple months before, he didn't know much about church, his hair wasn't cut just so, he didn't have all the right lingo down and didn't dress maybe the way we think he should dress, but man, he was saved. He loved God and he didn't know much better, but he was a new Christian. And I could tell as I preached, uh, he was touched by the message. He was zoned in. And as I asked that question repeatedly, who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the one? In the middle of the service, that boy stood up. He just stood up. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if he was going to leave the service or if I had distracted him. But he didn't go anywhere. He just looked at me. And everyone else looked at him. He began to heave, his shoulders began to heave, he was crying, and uh, tears were streaming down his face. I didn't know what to do. I just looked at him, and he looked at me. There was a moment of awkward silence. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to tell the kid to sit down, but he was distracting the service, and before I could think of what to do, that kid never took his eyes off me. He looked at me, and through tears, he said, I will. I will. Hey, who will be the one? He looked at me. Hey, I will. Then some girl down here to my front, to my to, to, in the front to my right, she stood up and she said, and I will. Then this girl back here, she stood up and she said, and I will. And then this kid back here, he stood up and said, and I will. And, and so will I. And this one stood up and this group over here stood up. And before we, we knew it, the entire room was standing up saying, hey, we will. We'll be the ones. He say, oh, Brother Skelly, how many of them meant it? I have no clue, but I can tell you one that meant it, that one. Because he was willing to stand when no one else stood. He was willing to answer the question regardless of what anybody else said or did. He said, hey, I will. Where is that kid? Where is that teenager? Where is that graduate? Where is that ninth grader? Hey, where is that girl? I don't care what anyone else does. But as for me, I'm making an adamant personal decision. Not only was this personal decision adamant, but I see, secondly, this was an affirmed, affirmed personal decision. I want you to consider something with me tonight. This was not Joshua making a new decision. This wasn't Joshua at the ripe old age of uh, maybe a 100 years old saying, you know, uh, I've been thinking about this for many years, and I I think I finally made the decision that I think I'm going to serve God with my life. Hey, Joshua dies at the end of this chapter. This wasn't Joshua inventing a new decision. This wasn't Joshua saying, oh, you know what, Uh, I've given it much thought now, and finally I've come to the point in my life I'm going to serve God. No, this was an affirmed decision of Joshua. In other words, Joshua had made this decision many other times. One preacher once wisely said that the problem with a living sacrifice is we keep uh, taking ourselves off the altar. There are many teenagers in this room. You've made great decisions for God. You've sold out to God. You've given your all. You've laid your all upon the altar of sacrifice. You've said, God, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do and whoever you want me to be. You've made all those commitments. But to amazingly, we allow the world and the flesh and the devil to put us right back where we were. There's some teenage guys in the room here tonight that need to say, you know what, I've been to that altar before, but I'm going to go back tonight and affirm the decision I made. I'm going to head back down to this altar tonight and say, yes, I've made that decision, but I need to affirm it. I want everyone to know I still stand where I've always stood. Do you still stand where you've always stood? Are you willing tonight to affirm the decisions you've already made? See, that's what God's asking us to do. And Joshua said, I don't care who knows about it. I asked for me, this is my decision. I want to affirm that I am who I always have been. Are you still who you said you were? What about it? Last year at camp, we knelt at the altar. Uh, four years ago at youth conference, we gave our life to Christ. Uh, we made the decision years ago at vacation Bible school. Hey, do you still stand where you once stood? It was an affirmed decision. Hey, it was an announced decision. I mean, why did Joshua have to say? I mean, people knew where Joshua stood. Joshua knew that he loved God. Why did he have to tell everybody? Joshua could have just sat in his seat. Joshua could have just gone back to his dorm room that night and prayed by his bed. Joshua didn't have to get up in front of God and everybody and say, Hey, everybody, here I am. Here's my decision. Why did he announce his decision? Can I tell you why? Because he didn't want to go back on it. And those that will not announce their decisions are those that are leaving the back door open to walk out on their decision. And what I'm saying tonight is if you're going to live for Jesus Christ, let everyone know about it. Let, Let us know about it tonight. Let your parents know about it when you get home. Let your church know about it when you go forward in the invitation on Sunday morning. Let your friends know about it. They didn't come to camp. Let everybody know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, put it out there. Announce it. Don't give yourself a back door. That's the choice. Joshua said, hey, this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. I choose to follow God. That's my personal, adamant, affirmed, announced decision. I'm responsible for it, and I make it. No one can make a decision for you tonight. But can I encourage you with all the encouragement that I can muster from the Word of God, with all the, with all the encouragement I can muster from the Holy Spirit of God, would you please give your life to Jesus Christ? Would you please sell out to him tonight? Would you please lay your all upon the altar? It's the only life that matters. Serving Jesus. It was a personal choice. Not only was it a personal choice, I want you to see secondly tonight, it was a parental choice. The Bible says, as for me, that's personal. And my house. See, Joshua said, hey, I'm making a decision for myself, but I'm also, insofar that I have influence, going to guide my family. Now, ultimately, we make our own choices. Ultimately, sons grow up and daughters grow up and grandchildren grow up. But, but Joshua said, insofar that I have influence, I'm going to influence people to make the right choices. It was a parental choice. Let me just say this tonight. There are... Teenagers in this room, matter of fact, I want you to see this. I, 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 I wrestle with this, but I'm going to do this tonight. I want you to see this tonight. How many teenagers in this room would say, and 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 be brave about this, say, Pastor Skelly, I've lost a mom or a dad to death. I've lost a mom or I. What My mom or my dad has already died. Would you just slip your hand up and keep it up for a moment? Keep it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you. Nine, thank you. Okay. Everybody else, wrap your brain around that. Wrap your brain around that. Well, my mom does Yeah, but you have a mom. Yeah, but my dad, yeah, but you have a dad. And there are teenagers in this room that don't have a mom or don't have it. I'm not talking about divorce. I'm not talking about visiting on the weekend. I'm talking about they don't even have a mom or dad. Hey, wrap your brain around that if you can. I want to show you something else tonight. I was the only kid in my fourth grade class when the teenager years when, when I'm sorry when the teacher years ago said, "How many of you come from a divorced home?" I was in a public school in 1976 as a as a 1975 as a fourth grader. Teenager said to my public school classroom, "How many have divorced parents?" I was the only one. Now in a public school classroom, half the class would raise their hand. I want you to watch something tonight. How many of you teenagers? come from a divorced home, would you raise your hand with me tonight? Keep it up for a moment. Would you look around you tonight? There's almost a whole row here. Almost a whole row here. All across the room. You may lower your hands. Now, I'm not talking to you tonight. And those eight of you that raised your hand that lost a mom or dad, I'm not talking to you. But for the other 60% that have a mom and dad, can you Can you, for a moment tonight, kneel somewhere and say, thank God for my mom and dad. Hey, God, help us in our petty little, snobby little, selfish little homes. Thank God for your mom and dad. No, they're not perfect, but they love you. And they make decisions sometimes. They're not always right, but they're making decisions for your benefit. Just like Joshua, who wasn't a perfect man, who was a sinner just like us, but said, hey, for my house, we're going to serve God. Decision of liability. I'm responsible. I'm liable for my kids. A decision of love. Hey, I love them. And uh, love sometimes means I'm going to make choices you don't want me to make. I had a dad come to me about 10 years ago. I had gone to him. Brother Dom, I went to this dad, a man that used to t- attend our church, and his uh, teenage son was in our youth group. And you know the son I'm talking about. He began to go wayward. And I went to the dad of this teenage, uh, of this teenage son. I said to the dad, I said, listen, I'm concerned about your son. I'm concerned about some decisions he's making. Could you please uh, help me with this? And here's what the dad said to me. He said, Pastor Skelly. I'm not going to put any rules on my son. You see, I've had some older children, and I was too hard on them, and and they've wandered away from me, and and they're bitter against me, and I'm not going to put any rules on my son. I'm not going to tell him when to come home. I'm not going to tell him what to wear. I'm not going to tell him what to watch. I'm just going to let him do his thing. You figure out how that kid's doing today. His life's a mess. His life is wrecked and ruined. Why? Because that dad didn't have the guts to love him. Tough love. And if you have parents that have the guts to tell you what's right and wrong, and have the guts to discipline you, and have the guts to tell you some things you don't want to hear, hey, thank God for those parents. It was a decision of liability, of love, of leadership. Can I say this tonight? Can I say this tonight? Some of you teenagers are closer to being moms and dads than you are to junior high. There's some seniors and those that just graduated. You could be married and have kids in four or five years. You're closer to having kids. You're closer to being a mom or dad than you are to being a seventh grader. That's a scary thought. You better think about it. What choices you're making today are the choices there's there's no magic spoofle dust that the preacher puts on your head the moment you get married that makes you all of a sudden a great Christian. Oh no, listen, you are be, you you will, you will be what you're becoming today. The mom you'll be is the teenager you're becoming today. The dad you'll be is the teenager you're becoming today. Hey, you better make some right choices. A personal choice, a parental choice. But notice with me, thirdly, it was a purposeful choice. As for me, that's personal. And my house, that's parental. We will serve the Lord. That's purposeful. Hey, Joshua knew exactly what his life was about. Joshua knew exactly what he was going to do. Hey, we're going to serve God. Well, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what the others may do, but but as for me, it's like Patrick Henry. Hey, I don't know what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And Joshua said, I don't know what you're going to do, but as for me, my house, we're going to serve God. A purposeful decision. Hey, a purposeful decision that was sensible. This wasn't some stupid decision. This wasn't some uh, half-cocked decision. This wasn't some ill-informed decision. This was a sensible choice. This was a choice based upon what Joshua already told us. What did Joshua already tell us? Look back at chapter 24 and verse 3. Everyone see this now. Look at verse 3. God is telling Joshua and the people what God had done for them and God is you God is speaking and God says in verse 3 and I took your father Abraham, look at verse 4, and I gave unto Isaac, and uh, verse 4, and I gave unto Esau, and verse 5, and I sent Moses, and I plagued Egypt, and I did among them, and I brought you out, and verse 6, and I brought your fathers, and and verse 7, and I have done in Egypt, and verse 8, I brought you into the land of the Amorites, and I gave them, and I destroyed them, and verse 9, and uh, verse 10, and I would not hearken, and verse 10, and I delivered, and, and verse 11, and I delivered in verse 12 and I sent in verse 13 I have given and over and over again God said I did this and I did this and I did this and I did it all for you I did this if you're honest tonight God could you you know that God could say that to you? Hey, I gave you life and I gave you breath and I made you an American and I put you in your home and and I sent you to that school and I saved you and I climbed up Calvary and I died for your sins and I rose again and I did that all for you. Now what you going to do about it? Now what you going to do about it? Yeah, but Pastor Kelly, you don't know. I'm not talking about what other people did to you. I know that other people have done you wrong. I'm talking about what Jesus did for you. I'm not talking about some grandfather that abused you. And I'm not talking about some uncle that was mean to you. I'm not talking about somebody that ignored you or some friend that betrayed you. Hey, people will always do you wrong. But what Jesus has done for you is nothing but good. What would you do? What are you going to do about it? A purposeful decision that was sensible, a purposeful decision that was sincere. He said in verse 14, now therefore serve him in sincerity and in truth. You know what the word sincerity means? It means real. Not just serve God because everyone else is serving God. Not just serve God because that's the end thing to do in your Christian school. But I'm saying, are you real? Hey, are you real? Only you know that. Serve him in sincerity. That means be as real at home as you are at school. Be as real at school as you are at church. Be as real at church as you are at work. And wherever you go, be real. I'm going to serve God. I sat on the airplane coming to this camp, and I was real. I told the guy next to me, a Hollywood producer, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I I love the Lord. I got a chance to witness to him. Hey, listen, I want to be real wherever I go. Who are you? I mean, really, who are you really? I mean, really, are you really who you say you are? Some of you are chameleons. You come to camp and, man, you act all spiritual. You get with your other unsaved crowd and that's where you act. Hey, God's looking for some teenagers that are real. Purposeful decision. It was sensible. It was sincere. It was all about serving. We will serve. We will serve. We will. So I'm going to make money. We will serve. I'm going to be famous. We will serve. Well, I'm going to have a big, we will serve. I'm going to live in a, hey, we will serve. The greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest aspiration you can have for Jesus Christ is to serve. Serve God by serving people. Jesus said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And God uh, help us to raise up a group of young people in 2010 that will say, Listen, I'm going to love and serve God by loving and serving people that can't even give me anything back. I'm going to spend my life giving my life to help and love and serve people. Where is that young person? No, 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 no. We're all inflated with ourselves. We've got places to go and people to see we got plans to fulfill. we got money to make. we got toys to buy. We have hobbies to pursue. We've got a whole life of things that we want to do. And God give us young people that will lay down their lives and take up their cross and follow Jesus Christ. People are dying and going to hell and we're playing games. Jesus Christ could come back at any moment and uh, we're fluttering our lives away and Joshua said, I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know what decisions you're going to make but I have a purpose in my life and my purpose is to serve God even if nobody else does. It was a personal choice. It was a parental choice. It was a purposeful choice. But notice with me lastly tonight, it is... A pressing choice. Would you look one more time at verse 15? The Bible says, Have it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord? Notice Joshua's message Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And so, in a few minutes, will walk out of this chapel for the last time this year. Some of you, for the last time ever, you'll walk out of this chapel. But I can tell you what you're going to do when you walk out of this chapel. You're going to walk out of this chapel having made a choice. Say, oh no, Pastor Skelly, you're wrong. I'm not going to make a choice. I have no intention to come forward. I'm not talking about that. You'll make a choice. You'll make a choice. Either it'll be yes or no. Oh no, no, Pastor Skelly, I'm not going to make a choice. Can I say something tonight? No choice is a no choice. No choice is a no choice. It's no by default. Either you say, yes, anything else is no. Either you say, God, I'm yours, anything else is unacceptable. No choice is a no choice. You've heard the illustration, but I'll repeat it. Because it's a perfect synchronization of the thoughts that we've had tonight. Telly Savalas. Many of you don't even know that name. Telly Savalas was a famous actor back in the 1970s. He played a character on television named Kojak. Kojak was rough. Kojak was gruff. He, Telly Savalas was known because he couldn't grow hair. He was completely bald. No hair on his body at all. Completely bald. But a gruff guy. Looked tough. Back before bald was in. Back before bald was beautiful. Just gruff. He was a tough detective. He always sucked on a lollipop. And man, he was just, you love to watch him. But you know, I never realized this. Kojak, Telly Savalas in real life, was also very gruff. He wasn't just acting. That's who he was. He was a gruff character. Matter of fact, you might say he was a little bit uh, acerbic, a little bit abrasive. Tele Savalas was from Greece, a gr- actually from the nation of Greece, and he would travel home periodically, and when he would go home to Greece, the, the Grecian people would all flock him, because after all, he was a famous American actor, and that was something. They were so proud of him. On one particular occasion, Tully got on the plane. True story. Of course, he was sitting in the first class section of the plane, and he said to the other people in the first class, he said, to, listen everybody, you know who I am. I'm Tully And uh, I don't want to be bothered. I'm on vacation. And so don't bother me. Leave me alone. Uh, Leave me to myself. I'm on vacation. I'm not signing autographs. Just, hey, leave me alone. And he sat down. Now, that would have been enough for me. I I wouldn't want to talk to him anyway. But there was a a well-dressed kind of businessman-looking fella in first class on the other side of the aisle who arose from his seat and walked over to Mr. Savalas and said, Mr. Savalas, as a fellow Greek citizen, I just want to say how proud we are of you. And I was wondering if I may ask you a few questions, please. Savalas looked at this man with disdain and said, sir, uh, I just mentioned that I'm on vacation. And I just suggested that I don't want anyone to speak to me. And so I don't know what it's going to take to get it through to you. I, I really don't want to be bothered. And so if you would just kindly uh, buzz off. The man said, I'm sorry to have bothered you, Mr. Shabalos. And he went and returned to his seat. The plane took off uneventfully and the long flight ensued toward the nation of Greece. As the plane now was making its final descent, uh, the announcement came over the loudspeaker that it was time for them to put their seats in the upright position it was time for them to prepare for the landing in Greece at that point in the trip the well-dressed businessman type stood up again and walked across the aisle and said Mr. Savalas I hope that you've had a nice trip and uh, we've tried not to bother you and uh, we are very proud of you as a fellow Greek citizen I was wondering if I may ask you just two questions Mr. Savalas Savalas looked up at this man again and said, you know, buddy, I don't know what it's going to take to get through to you. I told you I don't want to be bothered. and You tried to ask me questions before. I thought I made it clear what my position was. And now again, you seem to be stubbornly asking these questions. And, Sir, I just want to say to you, hey, buzz off. The man said, Mr. Savalas, again, I'm Extremely sorry. I can assure you, sir, uh, I'll never bother you again. He went and sat down. A few moments later the plane began to, to descend and made a successful landing at that airport in Greece. Savalas looked out the window and saw that the band had come and the red carpet was being laid out. He saw that the reporters had gathered and he began b- to get more and more upset. I mean, after all, all he wanted to do was be left alone on vacation. Here are all these reporters and, and this band and this red carpet, and, and why can't they just leave me alone and buzz off? Back in those days, the plane would stop right there on the runway, and people would descend the stairs and walk across what's called the tarmac. The plane stopped, and Savalas got out of his seat hastily and grabbed his carry-on baggage and began to make his way off the plane. At which point, a stewardess on that flight stood in the middle of that aisle and would not allow Savalas to come by. Savalas said, let me by. She said, oh, no. She said, nobody gets off the plane before his majesty. At which point, the well-dressed businessman arose from his seat. The king of Greece walk past Savalas, down the stairs to the awaiting band and reporters and red carpet all there for him. Mr. Savalis, I'm sorry to have bothered you. I'll never bother you again. I wonder tonight if Jesus is speaking to your heart. After all, he's the king. I wonder tonight if Jesus has crossed that aisle and in gracious tones has said to you, may I speak with you? May I have some time with you? Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I wonder if in our attitude, I wonder if in our activity, I wonder sometimes even in our words, if we haven't said to the Lord Jesus Christ, And I wonder sometimes if Jesus doesn't look back at that stubborn unbeliever and say, I'll never bother you again. I wonder sometimes if he doesn't look down at that reluctant servant and say, hey, listen, I'm going to move on to somebody else. My spirit shall not always strive with man, the Bible says and to he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy and listen now's the day today's the day it's decision time what you gonna do Joshua said I'm gonna serve the Lord what you gonna do thank you for listening to this student ministry 127 podcast for more sermon resources visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.